All right, so who has the best story? Who wants to volunteer something about someone at their table that they believed that wasn't true? Anyone? You can't hear me? Can you guys hear me all right? Okay, all right, so um, does anyone want to volunteer something that they learned about someone at their table that maybe wasn't a true thing? <laughs> Devastating, right? <laughs> Great. Right? Yeah. A lot of people still believe that, I think. <laughs> well, I hope you had some fun discussions. Um, I'm going to introduce our speaker, and uh, then we'll get started. So um, Jacob Hash has been attending Faith um, regularly for about a year but he's been around for a little longer than that occasionally uh, while he was engaged to his uh, now wife, Becca, who um, she's, they've both been on staff with uh, Faith for the last year, helping to lead the student ministry um, during the youth pastor search. So he and Becca are preparing to go on the mission field and they'll be leaving for Poland on September 3rd. Um, in his spare time, he enjoys a game of ultimate Frisbee and he's pretty good at it. I've played before, so um, let me pray for him and we'll get started. Uh, Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you for this morning. Thank you for this church and for the people here. Um, Lord, I pray you'd be with Jacob as he uh, prepares to share his story with us. May you give him the right words to say, um, and I pray that you would open our minds to hear what you have to say through him. Um, thanks again for all your blessings. In your name, amen. Thanks, guys. Um, so I'm going to sit down because otherwise I'll be walking around the whole time and it will be distracting. Um, so I, I have the privilege of sharing with you guys. Thanks for coming today. Um, my, I, my mom would always tell this story. This is, this is my answer to the icebreaker question, um, although I, I have some funny ones as well, but uh, this one's a little more serious. But um, my mom would always tell this story as the, while I grew up. I heard this many, many times um, that um, she, would, she would talk about how when she was a high schooler, she went to church one day, and her she grew up going to church. Um, she definitely believed her parents were believers, and um, and and that day at church, there were some missionaries from somewhere in Africa. She doesn't remember, or if she ever said, I don't remember, um, but somewhere in Africa, and they were were dressed in in like traditional African uh, garb of some sort, and just looked odd and I my mom recalls them being very awkward when they talked and just all sorts of things that were just kind of weird um, and they were really passionate about what they were doing but she was just like ah, I never want to do that and she was a Christian and she said okay God uh, she said um, God I'll do whatever you ask whatever you tell me to do just don't uh, make me be a missionary um, these are my parents on the mission field in 1995 um, that's my mom and my dad. This is in Poland, um, but even before the home, out of the way, the picture's here. Does this one work? Okay, cool. Um, so I, I tried to put in a lot of kid pictures because who doesn't love seeing someone they know now as an awkward child and teenager? Um, but so, uh, and even before they were in Poland, my parents were in Germany. That's my dad on the bottom left with his youth group, I think in 1989-ish. Facebook is hard to tell sometimes when it goes that far back. Um, he, they both did um, youth ministry on American military bases in Germany uh, with Cadence. Um, and so my parents have been involved in missions for 
like over 30 years. Um, and they are actually still on the mission field in Poland. And so I grew up hearing that story all the time. And that was when people asked, well, how'd you become a missionary? My mom always said, well, you know, I didn't want to. And then God did that to me. Haha, <laughs> isn't he funny? Which is awesome. And, and uh, many of us will tell stories like that. Um, and I got a point out of that that I don't think my mom meant to communicate. But the point I got out of that is that sometimes God pulls the rug out from under us. Because it'll be good for us, but he, does, he pulls the rug out from under us. That when we say, this is what I want, <laughs> um, and that's kind of a lie. But, um, and that, that's a lie I believed as a kid, but, but we'll, we'll get there. Um, but that was just, that, that's, a, that's a hard thing to believe as a kid. Because then, like, you don't totally want to tell God, like, what's really going on. But that didn't necessarily turn me off from Christianity. I, I definitely um, grew up as, uh, as a missionary kid, and I loved being a missionary kid. Um, yeah, so many, so many fun stories. I, um, well, so my, before my parents even, my, my grandparents on my dad's side were missionaries in the Philippines, and so there's a lot of stories there, but my grandpa used to always say, there are things that only millionaires and missionaries get to do, and that's very true. We get to do some really fun stuff. Um, I, I, I have this, this memory of um, my, my best friend, who was also a missionary kid, he lived in the Czech Republic. I grew up in Poland, he lived in the Czech Republic. Those are neighboring countries, in case you don't know. I don't mind. It's, uh, Europe's confusing. They're all small and so close. It's like states. Um, but, um, and I don't know states. So, um, But it's, uh, it, there's one border between Poland and Germany that you can walk across. Uh, you didn't have to drive through. You could walk, but it was still when border patrol control was there. So you have to walk across with your passport. And whenever I would go to a sleepover at my friend Caleb's house, lived in the Czech Republic, we... Um, you know, you have to go through the border and you have to hand them your passport and it's a really long process. And so neither of our moms really wanted to wait at the border for that long and like go through this process just to like hand us off and then come back. And so they found this walking border, it was great. So they'd both, so Caleb and his mom would come to the Czech side of the border and me and my mom would come to the Poland side of the border. And then my mom would say, okay, go. And I would take my bag, which was usually just my pillow and pillowcase and all the stuff I was taking with me inside the pillowcase over my shoulder and walk across the border and like walk up to the border guard and hand them my American passport. So I'm like seven or eight years old, <laughs> tiny, can barely see over the counter, handing the, uh, the border guard my passport, American passport in Poland. And he looks at me and is like obviously very confused. <laughs> And then he uh, tries to, you know, be kind and speak in English because I have an American passport. And I respond in perfect Polish because I grew up speaking Polish. <laughs> and now he's really confused. And he goes, residency? I go, nie, because uh, I didn't have it. Um, and, and I, you know, ask question. I go, my mom's over there. I'm going to be with them. I'll see you tomorrow when I come back. <laughs> and, he's, and I think he was just so confused he would stamp it and let me go. And he's like, I wash my hands of this. I don't know. Um, so I love growing up as a missionary kid, but the reality also was that um, I didn't have very many like Christian friends um, because other than the missionary kids in the Czech Republic, which as I said, it was quite a process to hang out with them, so it wasn't very often. Um, and I didn't really have any Christian friends in school um, because Poland is like 99% Catholic, but it's nominal. It's very much like, yes, I'm Catholic, but I don't really believe in God, which is a weird thing to say, but that's what they say, or it's just very traditional. Um, and so people in school didn't really care. They go, they would, you know, they celebrate Christmas and Easter and like pray sometimes and that's about it. Um, and so I didn't really have any Christian friends there. Missionary kids were great, but they were far away. So I had to find other places to hang out with people. Um, well, my dad was a great speaker. He got invited to a lot of youth conferences. He was a, he, he did youth ministry. And so I also got to therefore go to a lot of youth conferences, which was great. Um, I loved so many youth conferences. I can't even count the amount I've been to. I 
remember going to some before I remember anything. So, um, but every, if you've ever been to any sort of youth conference, and like, Challenge is like cool, it's like 8,000 people. These are like 50 people at conferences, and I was like, this is huge. Um, but at the end of every conference, you know, you have a weekend of, of, of really important things that you're hearing, learning, and spirits really moving, and then there's like an altar call of some sort, right, at the end of these youth conferences. And um, it wasn't always, you know, it just, of course, if you're not a believer, come forward and, and if you want to make this decision. But if you have been a believer your whole life and maybe you recognize that something isn't right between you and God, this is also a chance to come forward and kind of recommit your life to God. And I did that many, many times. Um, I went forward because I did recognize that there was something you know, not right between me and God. I now recognize that's called sin, and we have to deal with that often, and not just at conferences. Um, but at the time, I was like, okay, I know there's something wrong here. I've been a believer since I was like four, but, you know, there's something missing, and so I'd go forward. Um, and after the 43rd time I did that, my life was perfect. I haven't sinned since. So that's my face. No, obviously, that's not how that works, right? And so I'd go forward, and it would be great for like three days or so, and then life would go back to how it was. It wasn't bad. It was good, wasn't, but it wasn't great. There was still something between me and God all the time. And I didn't, I don't know, I just got really disillusioned with that. I got really frustrated with the fact that I kept saying, God, I'm, I'm my whole life for you, everything for you. And then, you know, there's nothing between us. And then three days later, something's missing again, right? The, that, that passion, that fire is gone or at least died down. And um, I got kind of sick of it. And so I decided that emotions should have nothing to do with my relationship with God, because those decisions were all based on emotions, right? Um, I was like, no emotions, no, 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 that has nothing to do with my relationship with God. It's all about, about head knowledge. So, um, so I went from a little kid who was cute and, and had this really innocent view of God, again, child pictures, always fun, um, to, oh, this is a different picture. I'll tell you about that in a minute. I'll be right back. To a cynical teenager with long hair. Um, yeah, again, awkward pictures are always fun. Um, and, and I just, I, I still was a believer. I still really cared about being close to God. Um, but I just didn't want to do it through emotions. I hated worship music because, first of all, it's three chords over and over again. And it's not even all that great of lyrics. And I don't really, it doesn't, it doesn't do anything for me because I kind of blocked off my heart, right, from, from my relationship with God. And so... But I still wanted to, to serve him and, and, and grow, grow close to him. So now before I forget, I said I'd go back. Um, another story of a missionary kid that's really fun. Um, that's my dad on my right. On my left is a guy named Vishnya, which translates to Cherry. That was his nickname slash last name, I think. He was a guy my dad was discipling. He really loved sports, so we went to a soccer game. It was great um, until it, there was a huge riot in the stands, which is typical of Polish soccer games, and we left quickly. But that was just another millionaires and missionaries, right? Um, so... So, okay, so I'm a cynic, and I'm, and I'm done with stuff. But I still really want, I believe in the church. I believe in serving God, and, and I actually realized that that's how I could be closest to him. So um, I got involved in our AV team a lot. I did a lot, which was ironic because worship music. If you ever want to become cynical about worship music, an AV team can be a great way to do it. But it's also good stuff, and you should all try it. It's awesome. I really love it, and I've, as I've grown, I've really loved engaging in worship music that way. But... Um, I also started volunteering with our youth group, um, which we went through a weird time where our youth group grew and then it fizzled out and died. And then when I was 16, uh, this, this opportunity happened. So before my junior year of high school, um, I was kind of like, okay, right? I, I, I still, somewhere deep inside me, I have this idea that maybe God pulls the rug out from under us, but that's not, I don't like think about that daily, right? Um, 
and I'm kind of a cynic as far as emotions go with Christ. But I've also seen God do amazing things in people's lives, and he's had a huge role in my life, right? And I still very much believe. I just don't totally feel it, but I believe, and I know it's important, and I want to serve him, and I want others to know about him too. So, um, so I went to the, um, the, the, some missionaries that um, help churches organize um, evangelistic English camps, which is something that our teenagers actually just did these last two summers. Pretty great. Um, and at the time, those teen missionaries were my parents, but that's kind of beside the point. Um, so I went to, to them, and, and I said, hey, I think our church should do one of these English camps. We'd done some in the past, but then as our youth group fizzled out, we stopped doing them. Um, and they said, okay, well, if you're going to do that, you have to have a team. We have, like, no young people in our church except for you and two middle schoolers. And I said, okay. They said, go find a team. I said, okay. So I went out, and seriously, by the grace of God, he put together a team of people that were much more amazing than me um, and more experienced. And, and I came back to my parents. I said, okay, I have a team. Can we do a camp now? And they go, well, someone has to lead it. And you got the team together, so you're going to lead it. And I was 16 and didn't know any better, so I said, great. Um, they were, I think everyone but one was older than me. Um, and we put together this um, evangelistic English camp. Um, we had like 40 students or so. It was really, really fun. We played games, and we actually did English and volleyball. Um, and just had a blast. Like, it's the best thing, in case you can't find me, I had moved from awkward long hair to awkward in between long and short hair um, and hiding behind people, so that was fun. Um, but it was amazing. And, and during this camp, nine people decided to give their life to Christ. We did an altar call, which I had issues with, but I wasn't in control of that at that point. Um, but I saw, I saw God do something in people's lives. Like, I, not just like somewhere out there through other people, He used me in a really powerful way. In fact, of those nine people, I got to pray with one of them. Um, his name is Radek. He's right there. He had long hair at that point, too. Um, that was cool in Poland, I guess. Um, and, and I'll tell you about him a little bit more in a minute. But um, the fact that God had used me to bring people to himself was amazing. And it was, it was like it, a fire was lit that wasn't going out as quickly. But part of why it didn't go out is that right after this camp, I actually had an opportunity to go to Northern Ireland on a missions trip. Um, Full confession, this is actually from a different trip to Northern Ireland. It is a picture I took, but I didn't have any pictures from that summer. So, um, but I, I went to Northern Ireland for three weeks to do uh, some video training, because I was really passionate about video stuff. And um, I, my parents knew some people who knew some other people that were doing a camp and needed some video stuff done. And I was like, great, sign me up. That sounds legit. Um, and so I got there, and... Um, within a few days, I'm with these people that were friends of, you know, so on and so forth, and I know no one. Um, and I, they, I say, hey, I'm here to do video. They say, we already have some people for video. You're going to do something else. And I was like, <laughs> great. Um, and I ended up cleaning toilets and painting buildings and babysitting. Um, three things that I'm not great at, to be completely honest with you guys. Um, and it was really good. Um, that wasn't actually even the most challenging part of the two weeks of uh, those camps, the most challenging part was like the very first night that I was there with these people. I'm in a room a little bit bigger than this, probably about the size of 210, um, with a bunch of people from Northern Ireland who I can already barely understand. And they say, hey, we're going to do a time of worship. <laughs> Great. Cynic. Cool. Um, and they so, so one guy pulls out a guitar, doesn't even plug it into a sound system. It's just him and his guitar, and we all stand in a big circle for two hours playing Jesus Culture and Hillsong songs that I didn't know because I'd stopped listening to worship music. Um, and people just worshiping. Like, I really haven't seen people worship, hadn't seen people worship before and rarely have seen since. 
and, and just being full of the Spirit and praying for healing and all sorts of other things that I was very unfamiliar with and, and uncomfortable with, but also really challenged by. Because it, these weren't people who were, like, way older. They were, like, two years older than me, maybe. Some of them were my age. And, and I was just really confused because they had a very different relationship with God than I had ever had. Not just because they were charismatic, but because it was very real to them. Um, and throughout, throughout that trip, um, I think God, that both the camp and the, 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 the camp in Poland and the one in Northern Ireland, God started to put cracks in my stone heart, if you will. Um, didn't fully break yet, but it was a, it was a big, big part of it. There's uh, one thing that was really interesting about that um, is that um, part of my job in the second week of camp was to go pick up some of, uh, there were some Polish expatriates that were lived a little farther away, kids that we were ministering to, and so me and one other guy would go on the bus because I could speak Polish, and so we would go on the bus to pick them up, but we had to leave early from our morning staff meetings, right about the time that we did our, you know, we'd do all our business, and then we'd leave, and then they'd start the worship and prayer, and I was like, no, that's fine, although I kind of missed it at that point, because I was starting to get into it, Um, and there were multiple times during that 30, 45 minute period where people were healed or or speaking in tongues and all sorts of stuff that I didn't know if I even really believed in yet. Um, And every time it happened, I was gone. Sometimes I was just in the room next door, but I was never there. I missed it every single time. And I don't know why. (laughs) Um, But I think God was trying to tell me to believe in him and not believe in these crazy things. Um, I think he also knew that as a cynic, I wouldn't be able to handle that quite yet at that point. Um, But it was a really really good summer. Um, and, and when I came back, I realized that that was, that is what I wanted to keep doing. So I wanted to really keep serving and, and, and really jumping in. And, and I realized that God, that we needed to do something for these teenagers that had given their life to Christ at camp, like, you know, a month ago. We had to keep doing something for them. We didn't really have a youth group at church um, at that point. And so we started one. Um, and because I had been kind of in charge of camp, I, they were like, great, you're in charge of youth group now too. And I was 17 at that point. And I had no idea what I was doing. So um, my dad uh, helped me teach one time. Um, this is us teaching together. I'm, yeah. Again, awkward pictures are fun. Um, really awkward. <laughs> We're moving on. But that was teaching together. Um, but then we, so for two years, I was a part of this youth group, and it was awesome. This is the guy, that's <laughs> me. This is um, Radek that I told you about earlier that um, gave his life to Christ at camp. Whoo, skipping forward. My bad. Um, and he, um, I actually got to disciple him for two years, which was, I think I learned more than he did in that time, honestly. But it was really, really good and just a superhero party we did um, one time. And um, it was so, it was such an important time for me in my relationship with God because I had to rely completely on him to do all these things because I had no clue what I was doing. And yet I was teaching twice a month and like discipling students and leading the people who were leading small groups and doing all this stuff. And, and God put me in a place where he was using me to help bring others closer to him for two years, and that brought me a lot closer to him. And it was awesome. I was oh, so, so close to God. It was amazing. And then I finished high school and went to college in Northwest Arkansas, John Brown University. Um, and the reason I put this picture up here is because um, – I was just alone. I went from, from being with a lot of people and in a place where I could serve to just me um, and, and no place to serve really at all, um, which was really hard because um, 
I was like excited to take a break because it had been two crazy years of doing things. But um, when you're so used to serving God, to connecting to God by serving him, and suddenly you are in a place where you can't serve him really at all, or you don't know how to serve him yet because you're in a, just a brand new place, and you're not plugged in anywhere, um, it can be really hard. And I realized at that point that I did not know how to connect to God except through serving him. Um, eventually, I found ways, uh, you know, through like residence life and youth groups and stuff like that to serve um, and connect with God that way. But I knew that there was something missing in my relationship with God the whole time. Right. So I'm a little bit less cynical now, but I but that's because I just kind of covered my cynicism with service. And as soon as the service was pulled back, the cynicism came back too. Um, of like, how do I connect with God? What is you know, how does this really work? Is it, it it's still all just, you know, mostly mostly like head knowledge. Um, and I continued like that for a little while. Um, and then one summer in college, I actually went back to Poland um, to be uh, a summer intern with Josiah Venture, partially because that's what I knew. And I really did love it. I was good at it. And I'd really connected to God through serving him in camps before. I wanted to, to do it again, right? And, um, and so I went back. This is my team. Um, it was really fun. It was a crazy summer. And I have a lot of difficult stories from that summer. Um, but I had, I had three really important conversations throughout that summer. Um, the first one was almost at the very beginning with a guy named Rob. And Rob, um, Rob had been a mentor of mine in, in high school a little bit. And he, I, I was struggling at that point with like, do I want to go back to Poland? What, you know, when you're in college and kind of the second half, you start going like, like what do I want to do with my life? And you ask that question for the next two years and then you graduate and then you ask it for another 10 and you finally have an idea and then you realize you're wrong. Anyways, um, but I was asking that question at that point and, and, and thinking, well, maybe Poland, like I speak the language, I'm good at this stuff, I, I feel used, like I feel like I'm connected to God because he's using me, this is great. Um, but at the, same point, at the same time, some part of me didn't really want to ask. God didn't want to offer that to him because the moment I tell him that that's what I want, he's going to pull the rug out from under me again, right? And I mean, that's what he did to my mom. That's what he's done to a lot of other people. I don't, like, what if he sends me to Africa or Asia? Or what if worse if he makes me stay in the States? Like, that's all terrible. Those are terrible options, right? I, um, and so I was talking that through with Rob a little bit and even, like, refusing to admit to myself that I wanted to go to Poland because as soon as I know that that's what I want, then that's when God will know that that's what I want. And... <laughs> That's the same as telling him, basically. So, like, I couldn't admit it to myself either, um, which was frustrating for people around me, I think. Um, and, and I was talking to Rob about this, and, and he said, you know, you really got to gotta hold it with an open hand. You know, you remind me of the story of um, Abraham, when God asked Abraham to sacrifice Isaac, right, of, like, this is something you've wanted for so long, and the harder you hold on to it, no one, like, even if, even if I don't get to it, which I'm God, I can, but then you're not really going to get to do anything with it either because you're clenching it so tight, right? But if you open your hand and you offer it to me, then either I'm going to do something with it or I'm going to give it back to you and you're going to do something great. You know what I mean? Like, and that was, that, was a, that was a really hard thing for me to admit, that I really didn't trust God to give me things that are good, right? Um, so that was a really hard conversation, but it, it started a process that continued through these three conversations this summer um, of really changing how I viewed God and, and my ability to say, yeah, this is really what I want. And so the second conversation was with a guy named Daniel. Um, 
Daniel was my assigned mentor through that summer, and we'd known each other before, but this was really good. And Daniel um, spent some time really digging into my relationship with God and really looking at it, um, and, he, and he recognized in me and helped me recognize in myself that I couldn't connect to God unless I was serving him, that I could not just sit and be with God ever. Like, that was the most uncomfortable thing. My dad would always talk about, like, oh, I had my quiet time this morning. God, God really enjoyed me. He would say this all the time, and I hated that. because I was like, that's not my relationship with God at all. It's all about, I'm like, I have to work to connect with him at all. Um, and, and, and Daniel kind of helped me find, realize this picture of, um, that, I, that I viewed myself more as, as, as a knight in service of the king, um, which, like, sounds cool. I, like, knights are awesome. They do great things. Um, but he said, but that's not, that's not how God views you. Like, yes, you serve him. He is your king. But he also um, is, is our father, right? Romans, Romans 8. Oh, that's way smaller than I meant it to be. I'll read it. Um, <laughs> Romans 8, 14 and 15. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. That was a really hard thing for me to accept, that um, God views me as a son. Like, I'd heard that my whole life. It's not like I didn't know that. But somehow I saw that and and in my mind translated that into I'm not I'm, I'm, I'm a son who has to earn my relationship with God right um, and I'm sure many of many like all of us struggle with this in some way of trying to earn our relationship with God somehow right or, or prove that we're worth it or good enough or something like that and um, and this has been a process that even I'm still going through but realizing that that's not that's not how God views us and that's not what God's love is that, that God, God just says, look, you're, you are my child, right? I love you, my child, I love you. And what you do after that, we'll get there. But, but it's about the love first, right? And that, that he loves us and that we are, we are with him. Um, that was huge. Um, that, was, that was really big for me to understand and really, really started changing things. But the third conversation that I had actually is what brought everything kind of into perspective for me and, and has stuck with me the most probably of these three, um, like I can still remember sitting in the chair um, with my grandma. Um, and my grandma had been a missionary in the Philippines, uh, my, my dad's mom, and is, a, is an incredible woman and is very, a very godly woman. And I came back from that internship and um, was at her house for like two days before I started school again. And I sat in the chair next to hers. We're both in our rocking chairs. She's working on a craft or something. And, and we just start talking and... Um, and I, I just, for some reason, was really honest with her and said, Grandma, you know, I, 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 like, I, I really want to go to Poland, but I feel like I need to hold this with an open hand and trust God and that he's, he's a good father. He's not just a, a king who's going to give me my next assignment, but that he's, he, does, he gives us good gifts, right, as his children. But I just, I don't, how do I know if this is what God wants? How do I know if, if this is, like, okay? <laughs> um, because I think I want it. How do I know if that's me or, you know, if God's going to be okay with that? And, and she brought up uh, Psalm 37.4, which says, Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. She's like, have you heard that? And I was like, of course. I'm a Christian. I've heard that. Um, 
And she said, what did it mean? What does it mean? And I said, well, that if we're focused on God, then he'll give us the other things we want. Like as a kid, I always thought that meant like Legos. You know, I was like, if I focus on God and pray a lot, I'll get my Legos. Um, and, and like I knew that wasn't totally it, but I never really thought about it. <laughs> um, and she was like, that's not at all what it means. She was probably nicer than that. But um, she said, it, it's, when, we are, when we are, when we, when we find our delight in the Lord, when we take delight in the Lord, then he gives us the desires, not the thing that we desire, but he gives us the desire itself, right? That, that as, we are, as we turn our eyes to the Lord, as we find our delight in him and everything in him, then these things that we want, they're coming from him. Like they're, they come from our delight in him. And, and as we're focused on him, the things that we want are just like, those are the things that God wants too, right? Now, obviously that's contingent on taking delight in him, but that was a huge thing for me. She goes, do you take delight in him? I was like, yeah, I mean, yeah. I was learning to because that was hard for me. But, but, if, if, but, if, but if, if I'm taking my delight from him and, and that's kind of where, where it comes from in me, then these things that I want, they're actually what he wants. What he, is, he has given the desires, put it inside of me. I was the most freeing thing I had ever heard. Not because it was like a get out of jail free card and like, yay, now you're delighted in the Lord so you can do whatever you want. Woohoo, and that's what he wants. But like, that these, these deep desires that God has put in us, that he has put those in us because he wants us to want those things. And like suddenly I was free to trust that he wasn't just going to be like, psych, you know. He, he, he wanted that. He wanted me to want that. It was something good. Um, so from there, the process has been a, a little uh, crazy and um, could talk about, you know, um, Meeting Becca, actually, that was about when we started dating, was at the same time, so that was another thing that um, was a desire of my heart. Um, but it's just a crazy story, and, and, and the whole road of us getting um, to Poland has been crazy, and, and like Henry said, we're, uh, we're leaving in like less than a month to be full-time missionaries in Poland, and oh, could not be more excited. Um, it is just an incredible privilege to know that, that like, that this is what God, how, how do I say this? That the thing that I, something that I'm so excited about is not just something that I like selfishly grabbed for myself, but that I was able to say, okay, God, this is yours. Do with it as you please. If you don't want me to do this, okay. And he still said, yeah, thank you, but do it. <laughs> um, it would have been a lot less sweet if I had said, I'm going to do this no matter what you say, God. <laughs> probably wouldn't have happened actually um but but being able to, to knowing that i i gave it to god and saying okay god this is yours and he he gave it back and said do it that is like just the most exhilarating thing to to know that that's that's where we are so um when Anne marie asked me to pick a title for this week i was trying to come up with things and came up with um prepared with a purpose was that what i said okay and you might be thinking that has nothing to do with what I said, and you might be right. Um, but I think it kind of does, because um, what Beck and I are going to do in a broad scope is um, making disciples amongst young people, teenagers specifically, right? Going to do youth ministry. And um, if I hadn't gone through the work of figuring this out, if God hadn't been like, hey, that's actually, I don't pull the rug out from under you, and I view you as my son, not just my servant, my knight, 
um, the disciples that I would have been making for the last year here at Faith and for the next however many years in Poland would be missing some pretty key things, right? And I'm sure there's still many, many things for me to learn about God, and um, hopefully I won't pass those things on to, to the young people we're working with, but um, I am so thankful that God has, has put, orchestrated all these things in some way to prepare me and prepare us for the things that he has for us to do, right? Um, and so I guess that's kind of loosely tied, but I just think it's incredible um, that that is how our God works, that he has this great plan, and he, he knows even when we've learned something wrong at the very beginning, he goes, that's okay, I'm going to correct it, and I'm going to bring you back to myself, and I'm going to do something better than you could have ever imagined. So, so that's my story, uh, broad scope, but um, I can sometimes be a little meandering and stuff. So do you guys have any questions about anything? Is that right? Am I supposed to do questions? Okay, cool. Yes, Isabel. Yeah, uh, the story about when Becca and I started dating. So the, the teenagers are laughing because they know the story because Becca once used it as an example in a talk, which was really fun. Um, but uh, well, we dated long distance for about a year and a half because I was in Arkansas and she was at school in uh, Massachusetts and then back here in Indy later. Um, but when we first started dating, I was a naive missionary kid and our first conversation, we had like been chatting mostly via text message because calling internationally was expensive because we started talking while I was in Poland and then um, eventually I called her and we were talking and I said hey I would really like to pursue you which is what I meant was I think we should date but I didn't want to say that because you can't say the word date as a missionary kid um, and and so and what Becca heard was I think you're cool and we should hang out more basically um, right yeah yeah so like three weeks later and we, we're talking every day, I think, at this point on the phone. And about three weeks later, I'm at, back at school now, and I'm, I'm hanging out with all my buddies. And we, I was on a college ultimate team, and our first day of practice every year, we would, um, we would go around the circle, and all the, all the incoming freshmen that had come to practice, you know, we'd go around our, our circle, and we'd all say, like, oh, you know, my name's Jacob. I'm a cinema major. I'm a freshman. This is my third year, you know, sophomore, whatever. I'm a third year. Uh, third year playing frisbee and I am single or I am dating someone and I hadn't told anyone at this point and then I was like this is gonna be great so I was like oh yeah and I'm dating someone and everyone was like whoa kind of I expected a bigger reaction but that's fine <laughs> some of my friends were really surprised and that also hurt a little bit weirdly um, and then and so then when I left practice I was telling Becca about that on the phone I was like yeah I told all the guys I have a girlfriend she was like oh that's so cool and in her mind she was thinking like is is that me? No, he hasn't asked. He hasn't asked me yet. Um, <laughs> anyways, long story short, I heard a story from a friend who was talking about how he didn't know that his girlfriend was expecting him to ask him to be his girlfriend, and so there was like a 30-minute period or like a three-hour period where they he thought they were dating and she wasn't. And I was like, that's a funny story. I'll tell Becca that story, and then she didn't think it was funny because it had been a month at that point <laughs> that I thought we were dating and she didn't know. So. <laughs> Do you want me to ask you? It would be nice. I didn't say it like that. Eh. No, you definitely didn't. Yeah, um, didn't say it like that. So then we started dating in her book. So I've been dating Becca for a month longer than she's been dating me. But <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> Thank you, Isabel. <laughs>
Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I've been thinking about that because I don't think my mom was trying to convey that God pulls the rug out from under us when she told that story. Like, that was not her point. I was just like six, and that's what I got, you know. Um, but I think when, when, we're telling, when, we, when someone tells that story, their point is that sometimes we think that this is the worst possible thing, and in reality, God knows what's best for us and will prepare us for that. And I actually think it goes back to that Psalm, Psalm 37 of saying, like, God... As, as we get closer to him, he shapes our hearts. So I, I think if you can, after saying that, like, and now I'm a missionary, and I'm so thankful that God worked in my life to change me to understand that this is actually the best thing ever, or something like that, you know, and, and, and even taking people through maybe in generalities or, or in kind of broad strokes the, um, the things that God did in your life to bring you there. Because I think, I mean, I think a lot of people have that story, and I think it's an amazing story of, of God really saying, like, I hear you, um, and, and I love you, and so I, I'm, I'm going to bring about something better than you could ever imagine, right? Um, does that help, or does that still feel a little not helpful? Okay. Yeah. 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 Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. I don't know if you had the thing. I would always try and be like, try and like outsmart God and be like, God, do send me to a country with snakes. Because hoping he would not, you know what I mean? Like, as a kid, yeah, to love snakes, send me there. Um, no, I, I, yeah, I think, I think focusing on like, yeah, this is how God has changed me and my desires and brought me to his place where actually that really is what I want. Because I think, I think the idea that happens in that story is saying, like, that's not what I wanted and God made me do it anyways. And instead focusing on the fact that I didn't really realize how good that was going to be and God changed my heart to desire that so strongly. And now I'm so thankful that that's what I get to do. Yeah. Yes. Um, so um, when were my parents with Cadence? Then when did they go to Poland? Was there any gap between there, right? Uh, so they were actually with Cadence separately. They were not dating. Uh, well, they started dating during that time. Um, and then they got engaged, and then they broke up. And my mom went back to the States, and my dad followed her and was crazy and tried to date her again, and then it worked out. Um, there's all sorts of stuff in there. Uh, they, so they were in the States well, they were married for a year in the States before they moved to Poland. Because um, what had happened is they, their whole story is also crazy, and God does a lot of things. I, I'm going to try and, I'm not, I don't want to tell you all the details because it would take forever, and it's not really my story to tell. Um, but basically, when my dad was in Germany, once the wall came down, he started going to Poland more and more often just by being invited to do youth ministry conferences of some sort, youth leader conferences. Um, and they realized they needed someone to do it full-time, and God really put that on his heart after he moved back to the States through some crazy circumstances. And my parents got married, and then a year later, they moved to Poland. 
let's see, they moved to Poland in 93. They got married in 92. Um, I think, and my dad was in uh, West Germany when the wall came down. So I, I think he moved back to the States in 1991. Um, he moved there after, I would say, in the early-ish 80s. I think he was there for about five or so years, ballpark. Um, and they, they moved around a bunch of different bases. And my mom was kind of in and out of Germany about the same time. Yeah. Any other questions? Yes? They are. Yeah, my parents are still in Poland serving. Um, they've been there for, they're on their 26th year now in Poland. Uh, my dad has actually lived in Poland longer than he's lived in any other one place uh, in his life, which is crazy to me. Um, and they are doing great. Um, they, they've gone through a couple different shifts of what they're doing within Josiah Venture, which is the organization they're with. Um, right now, they're doing a really cool local church thing. Um, plant isn't totally the right word. It's like, it's kind of like if you did church the opposite way where you started with small groups and then like once a month or once a week, the small groups all got together to do a church service. But it started as small groups and then there's like four different communities of small groups that get together once a month to do like a big church service, um, which sounds weird, but it's really cool. It's just, it's very communal. It's pretty small although it's growing really quickly, and they um, are a very active group. They're very involved in local, not government, but they're just doing a lot of stuff. Actually, aided, they've gotten a lot of grants by the government to, like, they just did a big fundraiser for a young girl with cancer in their city. Um, they've been doing a lot of building projects. They've been having short-term teams come from the States and Ireland and stuff, and God is really doing awesome things through not even, I mean, through them, but really through the, the church as a whole. Um, it's just reaching out to people and stuff. It's really cool. Yeah. Yeah, Andy. What's the percentage of people who go say they're Catholic versus mm-hmm. those who are Yeah. Yeah, what's, what's the percentage between, of like, uh, self-proclaiming Catholics and um, evangelicals. And then there's a lot of other, you know. Um, I would say, so uh, if you guys remember Pope John Paul II, three popes ago, um, he died in the, or around 2008, I think. Um, five, I don't really remember. Uh, he was Polish. That was a really big deal um, because it was to be Polish is to be Catholic and there's a very national pride thing that the Pope is Polish. Um, and when he died, kind of that started a movement of people slowly leaving the church um, I would say right now it's more towards like the mid to low 90s percentage would claim they're Catholic, which is still pretty high. Um, and there are some believers, like will go to heaven believers, I think in that group. It's just a probably smaller percentage than 90 some. Um, as far as evangelical believers, it's still less than 1%, like, like Bible-believing believers. So there's a lot of atheism. Um, Jehovah's Witness and Mormons are growing in Poland um, in part because they search for people and they answer questions. They're willing to answer questions, um, which is just a big thing that the Catholic Church is not doing, that, they had, that people have not felt in the Catholic Church that they can ask questions. And so, um, yeah, but, but evangelical churches, I'd say, yeah, less than 1% probably. So. Yeah. 